We've got a special show today as Christine Madrid French is in the building to, uh, sorry, is here with us via Zoom to chat about her new book, The Architecture of Suspense, The Built World of Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to turn our background music down so that I can introduce you more formally. Sorry, uh, Chris, your book title is The Architecture of Suspense, The Built World in the Films of Alfred Hitchcock? Yes. <laughs> and let's see, you've got a uh, talk coming up at UVA's Campbell Hall 128. Uh, I just closed a window in front of me and now I need the date back uh, up. <laughs> oh, I know where that is. It's the School of Architecture and it's coming up on October 31st at 12 noon and Campbell Hall has the auditorium in it. And I'll be speaking there with uh, more spooky details about the architecture of Alfred Hitchcock. And uh, the architecture of Alfred Hitchcock, it's a... a one of his many motifs in his movies that you could really spend a lot of time talking about. Uh, how did you get into discussing architecture in film, specifically Hitchcock films? Well, I did graduate from the University of Virginia in architectural history uh, quite a while ago. But what happened was um, I went into historic preservation and I realized that Hollywood had a, had a great way of making buildings into characters. And so I started studying uh, Alfred Hitchcock because the one that exemplifies that the most is probably the Bates Mansion in Psycho. It sure is, which was a, uh, that was a set that they built, right? That's not a existing structure that they found and rented. Oh, right. But it doesn't, you know what I found out? It doesn't matter if the building is a set or it's a real building. People get so attached to these um to these structures that they they want to visit the murder house at the base mansion and that was so compelling to me why you want to go into this haunted house where a you know a psychopathic serial killer lives but there's something about making that building into a character in the movie and then people want to be there and you'll see this in in all the kinds of films all across um, all across the board yeah, but I remember the trailer for that movie was uh, just him touring uh, the location of the Bates Motel and then the house itself. So all he had to do was introduce the character and they didn't really even touch on the plot at all. Uh, right. Well, that's where you see that. So if, if anyone's interested, just go to YouTube and look up Psycho uh, trailer for the original 1960 movie. And the whole thing is because he didn't want to give away the, you know, the ending and the shower scene so much. So it's Alfred Hitchcock actually just walking around the motel and the Bates Mansion, which is a Second Empire revival building. But what I wanted to show with those buildings is that... Um, there's a history behind the Victorian mansion. There's a history behind that roadside motel that is, I guess, subconsciously informing the way that you are perceiving the movie because you're bringing with you all the cultural context, context and understandings of architecture that you get just from walking around in the, in the, in the landscape and through just, you know, stories and things like that. So they, are uh, manipulating you. The production designers in Hitchcock are manipulating you to feel a certain way when you see a certain type of building. Um, can you talk a little bit about the history of some of these set pieces and buildings that appear in Hitchcock films? Or maybe an example Yeah, for of sure. So, <laughs> so the base mansion, we'll start with that because it is Halloween season, my favorite time of the year. Mm. Uh, so the base mansion, um, what I did was did some more research. And if you go back to where the production designers lived when they were designing and producing Psycho, they all lived in Los Angeles. 
obviously, right? But nobody's ever thought of looking about what their context is. Right when they were doing Psycho, um, Los Angeles was undergoing a huge uh, revitalization and modernization effort and tearing down dozens and dozens of old Victorian houses that were in downtown. And people say, there's no Victorian houses in downtown. I said, well, yeah, there isn't because they tore them all down. But while they were doing this, they inspired um, the designers of Psycho. In the Los Angeles Times, you can see the photos of these old Victorians sort of falling down and the, and the little old ladies who live there, um, you know, posing on the stairway. And it looks exactly like the Bates Mansion. Wow. Uh, so I thought this must be a place where they, these production designers were inspired. Of course, Hitchcock gave them some instructions. You know, we want to have the house is a big uh, is a big vertical and the motel is a horizontal in terms of like a, an image design. But what happened was the mansion turned into the mother in the audience's eyes. And now you see that mansion, you think of that mother in there, the murderous person. Right. The mansion is a character. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and Vertigo is another one that I think of when I think of uh, striking buildings from Hitchcock movies. Uh, you mentioned in your book that Vertigo uh, had an incident or the mansion in vertigo had an incident that sort of foretold the ending of the film oh a real life incident well yes and i'd like to say um i'm calling in from san francisco which is one of hitchcock's favorite cities i'm actually at the um just for interest i'm at the haas lilienthal house which is uh, the headquarters of san francisco heritage where i work and it is an 1886 victorian mansion all done up for halloween and we actually are having um, a weekend um, haunted mansion event here at the house. But uh, San Francisco was one of Hitchcock's favorite cities. He spent a lot of time here at Vertigo. It's basically a love letter to the architecture of San Francisco. Well, the Hotel Empire, where they filmed the, one of the culminating scenes where Scotty and Judy, um, where Scotty realizes his vision of Madeline uh, revived, basically back from the dead. And when he sees her, they're in the Hotel Empire. Um, The whole structure of Vertigo, it starts with a deadly skyscraper. Scotty is hanging from the edge. A policeman dies off the edge of skyscraper. Madeline jumps into San Francisco Bay. She falls eventually from a tower. The whole movie is about falling from a great height. And what happened at the Hotel Empire, right before they started filming, a shop clerk a woman about 45 years old actually took the elevator to the roof and then leapt to her death and landed on the sidewalk right where Hitchcock was filming just a month later. And that had never been discovered before. I found that in the old newspapers. That, that, that didn't inform the story at all, did it? That, uh, that no, but it's just coincidental? It's, it's a coincidence, but this is part of what I would call the mysticism of Alfred Hitchcock. Sure. The movies become so prevalent in our cultural context that they almost like they have their own mysteries surrounding, you know, the filming of them and the um, the execution of those movies. And so the fact that a woman who was a shop clerk, just like Judy was in the movie, and they lived in the same place, the Hotel Empire, the character and the real woman, in my mind, they fused together. And that's just a, sort of that magic of Hollywood where they're taking a, an idea and your imagination infusing it with the story, and it really makes the stories far more compelling. Sure. Yeah, life imitates art and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, we should tell you that we're talking with the author of The Architecture of Suspense, The Built World in the Films of Alfred Hitchcock. This is Christine Madrid-French. Uh, she's going to be speaking at UVA's Campbell Hall on Halloween at noon, uh, giving a book talk. And uh, we're here talking about the physical world in Alfred Hitchcock's films, whether they are uh, built by humans or whether they are famous buildings uh, that he used on location. Uh, you also talk in your book about how architects at the time were getting into the film industry uh, for want of jobs in uh, the Depression era, 1930s. Why, what do you think attracted them to the film industry? Do you think it's because uh, it was available and doing well in the 30s? Or do you, do you think that there's a common connection between architecture and the film industry that just works? Yeah, that was a, like a real surprise for me when I was researching the book. I found out that because I study architectural history and architects, I didn't realize there was this be this strong a connection, but um, especially in the 1930s. So we have to go back. I love the time travel. So let's time travel back to like 1920, 25, 1930, when Hollywood was really just starting to get powerful, right? In the 1920s, you see the big movies starting to come out. The industry is really becoming um, very important in California, especially. Uh, they were, you know, when they were designing the sets, they needed lots of people to design sets. But in the 1930s, they did not need lots of architects to design buildings because it was the depression. So all these architects are graduating from the University of Southern California, and they didn't have any place to work. So one of them, a very clever one, Robert Boyle, uh, sort of represents the whole grouping. Um, he was at a studio playing a bit part in a movie to make some extra money. And he saw them building sets and he goes, they must need an architect. Well, Robert Boyle ended up winning, I think, 13 Academy Awards or something crazy like that. And his cohort at USC, uh, a lot of them actually went into the studio system. What happened then was that architects informed how the studio system then started creating their art direction department, their production design departments. They were just beginning um, during this time. So architects really had a, a big hand in how Hollywood turned out even today. And so besides the Bates Motel, what other sets do you think are striking uh, in Hitchcock films? Sets built by Oh, architects. well, there's so many. What is your favorite Hitchcock uh, My favorite movie? probably Strangers on a Train or Notorious. Oh my gosh, those are so great. Well, so Strangers on a Train, um, is it, don't they have, isn't that the one where they have the, the merry-go-round that spins out of control? Yes, yeah. Yes, okay, so let's just take that for instance, which I don't talk about in the book, but that merry-go-round scene, you know, was um, actually, they filmed a little tiny miniature of the merry-go-round and then they actually projected it behind the actors who were pretending in fear that the merry-go-round was coming at them. Um, and then, but the man who was crawling under that merry-go-round was actually crawling under a speeding merry-go-round. He was uh, a worker that was familiar with the very dangerous. Yeah. But so scenes like that, you could, you could uh, create a, a, a backdrop or a, a matte painting, but it doesn't take away from the effectiveness of the scene, even if I can recognize that it's a matte painting. The thing about Hitchcock though, is half the time, I can't even tell that it's a matte painting. So um, a, a matte painting or a, a giant backdrop that was what they would do before there was no CGI. So you would use like at Mount Rushmore, they would have, I've seen some of the backdrops, they're like 40 or 50 feet high and you know 90 feet across. They would put that up in the studio and have the actors acting in front of it. And sometimes you cannot tell the difference um, depending on what um, movie you're watching. 
no, yeah. So all of this, the architecture ends up uh, back to the buildings. Um, so some of one of the most famous ones I'll talk about that everyone asked me about is the Van Dam House in North by Northwest. The, uh, in the movie, yeah, it's, it's, in the movie, it's yes, <laughs> isn't that? And so even just the other day, somebody says, "I was at Mount Rushmore and I didn't stop by to see that building." And, which I think is so fun because there is no building. The building is complete fabrication, uh, partly built on set, but mostly rendered only in paintings. It was actually it was on screen only for 14 minutes, and it didn't even get on screen until about two hours into North by Northwest. But nonetheless, it's one of the most famous buildings that Hitchcock ever designed as a filmmaker. And it has this cultural longevity, which is just astonishing that so many people know that building even today. Yeah, and it's interesting that he was shooting against Mount Rushmore too, which is like this iconic, you know, backdrop scene, and he's going to like have a design that competes with that in a sense, or, or to well, on screen yeah, Hitchcock, he, yeah, Hitchcock loved to make you feel insecure in a secure place, so that's why Psycho was so powerful. He was one of the first directors to show a woman being murdered in the shower while she was very vulnerable. You know, in the previous, you would thought you were protected. So he would love to take you to places where you thought you were safe and then present you with danger. So at Mount Rushmore, the people are eating in the cafeteria and there's a, a fake uh, shooting. And, you know, you think that you, you're safe um, at the Statue of Liberty, maybe, and you end up falling to your death. So that was one of his ways that he could sort of disorient the audience. Yeah, the, the Statue of Liberty is uh, sab saboteur or sabotage. Yes, right? that's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I get it. I get everything mixed up after a while. Uh, I was just curious because I, I get them, the two of them, there's the two uh, similar titles there. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah. uh, so I'm also wondering, um, while we're talking about that, uh, Rope, the movie, is, is confined within one set. It's, it's almost like a sitcom, you know, single camera setup. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's framed by these shots of urbanism that are like more freeing. And then the movie itself, you're like stuck inside this apartment. Is that is that one that you're a fan of? Oh, yeah. Rope. So Rope is really a, a good one to look at. So that would go under my Deadly Skyscrapers chapter. Deadly skyscrapers. Uh, because those, yeah, those characters are in a skyscraper. So, of course, if you're a murderer, uh, like that he showed um, in Rope, where would you live? Of course, you live in the penthouse of the skyscraper. And that's where you would commit your murder. And it's the same thing with Rear Window. Uh, so a lot of the, um, I call it the architecture of entrapment. So Hitchcock liked to put you a little bit like Frank Lloyd Wright. He's the same thing. They like to put you in the building and you really cannot escape while you're experiencing that story. And Rope is really takes you all the way with that. Like you are stuck inside that penthouse until the And it's like a the story runs continuously. There's no real, you know, and the next day or two years later, it's all continuous. You start dinner with these characters. You end the evening with these characters. You are never allowed to exit the building the whole time you're in the story. It's very confining the way he presents it. That's it. That is definitely a good one. Folks, uh, if you're just tuning in, we've got uh, Chris Madrid French here, author of The Architecture of Suspense, The Built World and the Films of Alfred Hitchcock, giving a talk at uh, Campbell Hall uh, this Halloween, October 31st at noon. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got to also ask you, 
about stairs. Uh, what do you think are the significance of stairs in Hitchcock films, or really film noir in general? Stairs are a, a thing. <laughs> I think this is like, I call them architectural fetish objects, because, you know, when you look at, um, I, the, and the stairs are the spine, I like to say the stairs are the spine, uh, the, you know, the windows of the house are the eyes, and uh, Shirley Jackson talks about that in her book um the um haunting of hill house is what the title is 1959 and she talks about the eyes of the house and edgar Allan poe references similar um ideas in the fall of the house of usher so stairways are just of course freud sigmund freud wrote about stairways and this transitional idea of the stairway where you're going from one space to another space but what filmmakers do is if they're trying to use architecture to enhance the story you'll see hitchcock especially will have a character standing in a doorway when the character is reaching a transition or walking down a lonely hallway when they've you know resolved to do some other action and then the stairway is always always in hitchcock taking you from one mysterious place to another mysterious place where the unknown waits so i'm thinking of that scene especially where um, Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates is walking up that stair in the in the Bates mansion to go visit his mother. And you really don't have any idea what's behind the door. And then Hitchcock would just love showing the hand reaching for the doorknob right before you pull the doorknob. So all of these sort of fetish objects where you see them all over in Hitchcock's movies. Yeah. And, and you mentioning that also reminds me, what, what about uh, other physical motifs like handcuffs and um, alcohol shows up in uh, more than just a plot device. It seems like it's part of a psychological uh, inheritance in Hitchcock films. <laughs> it, it, do right. you also consider also, that part of the architecture of a film is what I'm asking, I suppose? Right. And he'd also love to distinguish femininity and masculinity if you, if you want to go there, too. So he'll have, like, in Vertigo, he has it's Scotty's apartment, his very strong uh, horizontal lines through his apartment. It's very modernist. And in the in the background through the window, you can see the Coit Tower, which is a very erect uh, tower on the hill. And then when you go to his friend's apartment, her name is Midge, and she lives in a very kind of disheveled uh, feminine space with a with a bra hanging over the uh, over a, like a like there she's plan she's planning and it's based on cantilevering to hold up women anyway uh, so you'll see a lot of this i think he hitchcock was actually kind of you know cheeky when he would do some of these references because they're so obvious once you see them uh, he also liked to use mirrors to show duplicity so you'll see a, a lot of mirrors in psycho you know the, where the characters are constantly being reflected upon each other which also is part of that multiple personality uh, subtext of that movie. Right. Well, uh, what, <clears throat> excuse me, what filmmakers do you think have uh, used architecture in films to a similar degree that Hitchcock has since? Oh, since? yeah. Well, this is great. So I would tell everybody, well, of course, read my book. Uh, but once you see the architecture in the movie, you can't unsee it. And then there's very specific um, filmmakers and their teams. I think that's critical. So it wasn't just Hitchcock, you know, making, this is the same thing with architects and buildings. You know, um, Frank Lloyd Wright didn't make the bricks, right? So when Hitchcock, he didn't do everything either. And he had a very talented team. And I look at really the movies from the, the 60s, which is 
late 50s and 60s which is is very much a very prime creative moment and you have the you know the birds and psycho rear window uh, vertigo north by northwest are the primary ones well what's i found is that he has the same team working for him he has you know bernard herman is doing music saul bass is doing titles he has george tomasini i think is on cinematography so when you see people today and they have this same effect you can see jordan peele does this so in his recent movie, uh, Nope, that farmhouse is very much the centerpiece of your experience as an audience member. The architecture is definitely telling you part of that story. You can do like Steven Spielberg and, and Toby uh, Hooper for um, uh, Poltergeist, sure. right? So you're in, the, you're in that house in Poltergeist. It's all about the house. You can do Amityville Horror, 1978. Of course, The Shining, who that's, you know, the building will actually kill you in some of these movies. And that's what's so fascinating. But there's a way they project it so that, that, that you feel connected to the structure. Yeah, I, I guess The Shining is one where they uh, used architecture against you to make the floor plan impossible and stuff to, so that your viewer would feel uh, discombobulated watching it, right? Oh, geez, the signing is like, well, you know, I, I actually bring a lot of the stories all the way back to um, the labyrinth, right? So it's the beginning mm. of Western storytelling tradition. And the labyrinth is probably the first building that turned into lore, like L-O-R-E, like it turned into its own story. And it, I think when you look at the shining, you can look at Alien uh, by Ridley Scott, when the, they're trapped on the spaceship Nostromo. Um, that is just like a labyrinth because the alien is traveling around in this space you cannot escape. And if you get caught, you will be, you know, killed by the, the you know, the metaphorical minotaur that lives inside that labyrinth. And it, that's the same with The Shining. So eventually, you know, Jack Nicholson becomes like the minotaur and he's shot. He's like hunting down his own family in the catacombs of the hotel. Right. And um, I guess there's boat is it, or lifeboat is that or is it just called boat? It's I, lifeboat. Lifeboat, mm -hmm. uh, which has a lack of architecture, and that <laughs> has its own effect. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you know, I had to. You know, everyone says, "Well, why didn't you do Hitchcock from the his early beginnings in the in, you know when he was in the UK?" And I said, "Well, I didn't see that same." um treatment of buildings and lifeboat if you if no one knows that story it's a it's actually takes place entirely on a lifeboat and uh, there is there's no buildings at all i think it's eight people stuck on the lifeboat but you know that hitchcock always put his cameo into his um movies well how is he going to fit on this lifeboat right so what he did in that movie was he had the character reading a newspaper and he's in a picture in the newspaper uh which is so funny so he's still got his cameo in there uh but i think that's where i think it's the team but what's so funny is the is the longevity of these buildings so let's say, talk about the birds which is a lot of people's favorite movie uh you know you have the house where the family is holed up but more important is that schoolhouse where the children are terrorized uh, by the by the uh, the grouping of it's you know which of course a collection. Do you know what a collection of crows is called? A murder. A murder, <laughs> exactly. So the murder of crows is waiting outside of the schoolhouse for the kids. Well, what's so funny is. Um, again, this mysticism of Hitchcock is that that building was actually going to be demolished when the production designers came, you know, ran across it. Because Hitchcock spent a lot of time in Northern California. They're like this perfect building. They use it for the birds. 
And the movie was so popular that the building was saved. And now the building is considered a pilgrimage site for uh, fans of, of Hitchcock, who, of course, want to go every place that he ever uh, filmed. And then people like actually I've seen it on Google. So cute on uh, on the Internet. People like will set their kids up as if they're screaming and then they'll Photoshop little fake birds. <laughs> I just think it's so much fun that people still really want to be in these movies. Right. And so that building was saved because of Hollywood. I would like to visit that, too, and also take a picture with b birds. <laughs> I, I did uh, as a kid go to Universal Studios and we saw a replica of the Bates Motel uh, you know when, as a special exhibit and that had an impact also a 3D show of the birds because they were doing that in 3D at the time and they had like another 3D print of it um, folks if you're just tuning in this is Christine Madrid French author of The Architecture of Suspense The Built World and the Films of Alfred Hitchcock she'll be giving a talk at the UVA Campbell Hall this Halloween October 31st at noontime and, uh, you know, I've got some Hitchcock music to play for the remainder of the show here. But, uh, Christine, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know before uh, we all head out to hear your talk this Halloween? Well, I am so excited to get back. I just want to mention that the book is printed from UVA Press. And I am a graduate of UVA. And my son goes to UVA right now. So it's, a, it's all in the family here. Um, and I just want everyone to have such a happy and safe Halloween. And if you get a chance, come see me at noon at the School of Architecture. And I have special surprises. I always put something new in every presentation I give. So thank you so much for having me on your show. And sorry, Christine, before I forget, you have a website. Uh, is it ChristineMadridFrench.com? It's just MadridFrench.com. Oh, Madrid and French. I'm all over you know, Instagram, Facebook, and the usual. Look for... Um, just go visit my website, madridfrench.com. And I forgot to mention, I have a really fun sizzle reel that my friend Frederick Taylor put together at Tomorrow Pictures, where I actually play Marion in the shower and myself as Norman stabbing myself to death in the shower. So you don't want to miss that. Oh, wow. No, we don't. <laughs> but don't don't really do it. <laughs> no, it's all it's all fake. It's Hollywood magic. Just like you said, I can't wait to go to the film festival. It's going to be great. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, stay tuned. We've got some fun Hitchcock music to play for the remainder of the show. And uh, Chris, I'll say in the words of Alfred Hitchcock, good evening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Folks, this was Christine Madrid French. Uh, once again, she'll be giving a talk at UVA's Campbell Hall this coming Halloween, Monday the 31st at noon. And uh, her book is The Architecture of Suspense, The Built World in the Films of Alfred Hitchcock. You'll want to stay tuned because we've got some great mu music from the films of the one and only Alfred Hitchcock coming up next.